Sure. Hey guys, welcome today to the podcast. Or if you're watching this on the blog, we are in the midst of our series when life happens and what happens in private practice. So today I'm joined with Dr. Chris Boxman from Canada. She's a psychologist there. And Hello. today we are talking about pregnancy loss. So I just want to give a heads up that that can be triggering to people. If it is, feel free to skip this one um, because we're going to be talking about our stories and what it has meant in our business. Um, so Chris, I appreciate you being willing to have this combo with me. Sure, I'm, I'm really interested in helping other people. As we were talking, we discovered we'd have some similar experiences around okay. this. Why don't you share a little bit about the practice that you have? Um, I have a, a small group practice uh, here in Kingston, Ontario, which is in Canada. Um, it's kind of a, how would I describe it? We do lots of different things. Mm -hmm. um, one, of, one of our values is trying to work with people within the community uh, who are in need as much as possible. And so um, our clinic is a little bit different. We don't only work with people who um, are private clients. We do a lot of insurance-based work, which is not necessarily super popular um, and sometimes has a lot more challenges built in. Mm. So um, we work with a lot of injured workers. We work with a lot of first responders. Um, and we do lots of the bread and butter stuff here too. Lots of anxiety and depression. I've learned a lot about the Canadian system through you, and it is yeah. a little bit more complex, but you do a really great job. There's a, a high demand and need for services where you live, and so yes. how long have you been doing your private practice? So I've been in private practice, uh, let's see, close to 10 years. Wow. My group practice here, I've really only been focusing on trying to grow it for the last two or so. Mm -hmm. um, so before that, when all of this kind of stuff was happening in my life, I was just a solo practitioner. Yeah. So take me back to a little bit about, you know, pregnancy and being in private practice. And, you know, when you find out you're pregnant, <laughs> what that brings up in, okay, I got a business and what kinds of thoughts start kind of coming up for you? The first time around the first time around <clears throat> so my first pregnancy was not anticipated um, mm -hmm. it was a big awesome surprise mm -hmm. and uh, I think I was just so overcome with happiness and delight that I didn't initially think too much about business stuff at all yeah when I started thinking about that I was um, I, I had a very busy practice. I had all the clients I need. I was doing really well. Um, actually, at that point in time, I was doing a lot of off-site work. So I had hardly any overhead. I just did things in a lot of different other people's offices or university campuses and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was uncertain about how I would bounce back after the baby had been born. I was uncertain about how much time I could take off um, and afford. Uh, so I had some figuring out to do there. Um, frankly, I was uncertain about whether or not I wanted to go back to work after mm. having a baby that I felt like I'd waited for forever. And um, just imagining leaving him mm. at home with someone other than me 
felt like a special kind of anguish. Um, and I didn't know, yeah, I just didn't know how fast the business would bounce back after I closed the doors. Mm-hmm. So there was a part of me that not knowing what it was like to be a mom to, uh, I entertained the idea of, oh, well, I have a baby and within a few weeks, I'll go back a couple nights a week and, and see some people and at least keep some, some basic money trickling through the door, um, which after having a baby, I soon discovered <laughs> that's a terrible idea. Why? <laughs> terrible idea. I didn't want to leave him. <laughs> and, um, I was tired. I needed a lot more rest than I had ever imagined. Mm-hmm. Ever, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So I was still really working on that attachment and, um, I didn't have a lot of people, honestly, that I, I felt I could trust with my baby. He was such a precious thing. Yeah. <laughs> I trusted my husband, but I didn't really want to, you know, I, I just, <laughs> I wanted to do it all myself. Mm. I wanted every minute of him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how did the subsequent pregnancies follow like time timeline wise? So um, I'm an older mom. I had my first baby when I was 35. And so I- Is that older? Oh, I hate that. When I sat before the doctor, this is a geriatric pregnancy. Geriatric pregnancy. (laughs) I've heard that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you and were 35 with your first. I was. And I, I kind of thought, gee whiz, you know, um, getting pregnant the first time by accident felt like I think it was a real blessing because I wasn't struggling to um, conceive or anything like that. I didn't know how easy or hard it might be to have another baby. Um, I knew that I wanted to, if I could, have a, another child and have a sibling for my son. Um, and so I decided to try a little bit earlier than I thought probably made sense in terms of <laughs> life strategies and, and uh, busyness factors. So, um, so we started trying for another baby when my son turned one. Mm-hmm. And um, essentially, I, I became pregnant right after we started trying. Um, I was diagnosed with mono and then found out that I was pregnant. <laughs> and wow. Oh, I thought that the first pregnancy was tiring. And uh, I just remember sitting, we actually went to go visit a family member and we were in a little rented cottage and it was supposed to be a nice time. And I just, I was in tears. I said to my husband, I am so, so, so tired. This feels awful. Um, And then actually the the next week I miscarried that pregnancy. Um, So that was the first one. So that was, um, you know, when my son was about 13 months or so. Um, can I stop you for a second and sure. slow down for a second when you're that tired and you're also running a business, it, are you just moving into survival mode at that point? Oh, oh yes. Um, I, I felt like a lot of my life was running to work to get things done as quickly as possible and rushing back home to be with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like every moment, uh, was so precious. And I did have, I went back to work after four months with my baby. Um, and I wish that I had stayed home a little longer looking back, but I didn't know what was doable or, 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 or what I should have done, what would have been best for me. I'd never tried it before. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I, I always felt like I was missing him or missing out on precious things. And then adding that level of fatigue on top of stuff, (laughs) it was really hard. 
yeah. really hard. So yeah, so survival mode meant spending time with the baby, taking care of him, um, sleeping as much as I possibly could. Um, because I went back to work before he was able to take solid foods, um, he kind of flipped his schedule and was nursing throughout the night. Oh. So I spent a lot of time getting just fractions of sleep. Um, and you just do what you have to do, right? At those points in time, you don't really think too much about it other than, mm -hmm. can I have a nap now? And what is easiest to make for supper? <laughs> How far along were you with the first miscarriage? So that one was at seven weeks. It, it wasn't too far at all. So clients didn't know? No, no, nobody knew uh, except my husband and I. So what is that like? I'm curious about your experience. Your clients don't know, but you're also holding A, you have mono, and B, you had a loss. Yeah. And you're showing up for people who are in pain as well. What is, was that like for you? I, at that point, I mean, those are my only two pregnancies I'd ever had. And I think that I was in a pretty good headspace. You know, I say to myself, this is obviously not meant to be. I mm. still have uh, lots of time to try. Mm. Um, it wasn't difficult to get pregnant. You know, I think I was in a pretty fortunate situation to be in a good headspace, if you know what I mean. I didn't have a lot of history with that stuff. And so um, so showing up for the people was okay. Um, I felt more tender describing or, or being there with someone who was describing moments of loss. It was harder for me not to sink into experiencing that in the therapy session. Uh, but again, thankfully, I didn't have very many people who were going through that. Mm -hmm. um, I did feel like it was a gift of uh, extended compassion. I was better able to understand people who were coming in saying that they were having a hard time getting over pregnancy loss because now I could say, yeah, I know, I know what that feels like. And so I really clung to that. And this is a life experience that will make me a better mm -hmm. psychologist. And then when was your next pregnancy? So the next one was um, in September, August, September. I found out I was pregnant in August. And um, this time things started happening around eight weeks. We were on vacation. Uh, Kingston is close to an area in Canada called the Thousand Islands, which is really beautiful. Um, tons of tiny little islands and homes there that you need a boat to get to, but you can mm. rent them and, and I don't, spend uh, weeks in the summertime watching the boats go by. So we had decided to take a vacation um, because I had, so I'm just going to pick up my dog because he wants to talk here. Um, oh. <laughs> because we had had uh, a little bit of time off uh, earlier in the summer, we took a late vacation the first week of September. Um, and uh, I noticed that I was having unusual pain. Um, anything that had to do with toileting felt excruciating and I felt really bloated. I couldn't describe it. I was wearing stretchy pants and I still felt like they just, they were putting too much pressure on my abdomen. Um, and so at that time I was having an ectopic pregnancy loss and um, it was kind of just moving through very brief episodes of very intense pain and couldn't quite figure out what was happening. Um, I got engaged to my husband that week so there's, he gave mm. me my my ring which was really nice and um yeah and then a couple days later I said I I think I have to go to the hospital like things just don't feel right and I feel so uncomfortable um I was really lucky with that particular episode uh 
it was a very, very slow bleed apparently. And mm. so I had internal bleeding, um, mm. but it, it was, it was more of a trickle. So I was uncomfortable for a long period of time, but my life wasn't super in danger yet. Um, and it took me three trips to the emergency room saying, I think something is wrong uh, before it was properly diagnosed as an ectopic instead of um, a typical miscarriage. Yeah. So were you canceling your appointments? I was already on vacation that week. Mm. I was planning on going back. Um, so I was going to go back to work on Tuesday. Um, and uh, I think it was Monday night that I, I ended up having the emergency surgery. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, um, I had to give, I had to kind of log on to my computer system and um, give my husband names and phone numbers because I didn't have a secretary, uh, but I wasn't in any condition to be phoning and uh, ask him to just call and say that, I had needed a surgery last minute um, and that we would be contacting them again as soon as I was better able to work. Yeah. Uh, what people don't know is that your husband does work for your practice. So it's, um... he, does. <laughs> he, he, he does. At that point in time, he wasn't doing as much for my practice. Right. Um, but he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> I think this is something we talk a lot about in boot camp is um, how, you know, all of my miscarriages happened on uh, days I were seeing clients. Ah. Um, and I rem- so Miranda is actually my, um, she's on my professional will. Um, should anything happen to me, she's responsible for my files and everything. And so um, I think this is also something that we should probably cover eventually is like what it's like to cover for someone who's going has, who has died or had an emergency. And I, I had to call her and say like, I'm having a miscarriage and I need you to cancel my client. And that was interesting because my, cause I was in the ER all night long and it was just a terror. I was not treated well or whatever. And, um, I didn't know what was going on, but I had a feeling and, um, my clients, you know, they knew I was pregnant the first time because I was showing very early on and I was actually out of my first trimester. Um, there was heartbeat, everything. So they knew. I was, so then it's like, it's telling, you know, telling them that, okay, Kelly had an emergency. Um, she will contact you in the next few days about when your next appointment will be. Cause I wasn't sure how this was going to go. And if I was going to be ready to do sessions, like when, like how much time I needed. Uh, but my clients knew like something was up because that's unusual, you know, to have yes. a ra- the random person that covers call, you know? Yes. So there's also that like, uh, having a plan to care for your clients when this stuff does come up. But also then when you go back in the office, having to they're like, are you okay? And you know, are you, are you okay to be here? can you, can you take care of me? It's an interesting clinical dynamic too. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me telling my clients, okay, well, this is what happened and I'm not pregnant any longer. Um, th- that kind of thing. And at the time I was working with people who had had loss, it was my first loss. It was just, I got some clinical supervision. Let's just say, cause I was like, I need to figure out how to manage this and, and not burden my client, but also like, it's obvious something happened. I'm not going to be like, Oh no, that would be kind of counter helpful. Right. <laughs> yeah. So having a plan is helpful. And, um, 
And sometimes, you know, that other person is grieving with you. How was that for your husband? To My husband characteristically is just more stoic than I am. Mm. I'm the expressor, mm. um, emoter in the relationship, yeah. and uh, he is not. So I actually found that really hard because I didn't really feel like I had someone to talk to as much as mm. I felt like I wanted to talk. Mm. And I also felt like there wasn't much to say, but mm. I just needed to... Um, so after that one, I would find myself just periodically breaking into sobs around the house. I'd be stirring the craft dinner. Do you know what craft dinner yeah. is in America? Okay. You, but Canada eats more craft mac, mac and cheese. We just call it mac and cheese, whatever. Okay. In any other country <laughs> is what I've learned. It's a big thing here. Yes. Yeah. It's just this weird cultural thing. So I, I remember one time I was stirring the craft dinner and just weeping, just standing and stirring the pot and tears coming down my face. And he walked into the kitchen and I think, I think I had been out of the hospital for maybe five days. And he looked at me and he said, what's wrong? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and that was an interesting <coughs> marriage moment because I, I kind of, um, I thought it should be obvious what was going on, although it wasn't to him. Um, mm -hmm. And I kind of lost my temper and just said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to need to cry. Like this isn't just we're out of the hospital. Everything is done, you know? Um, so I ended up sharing a little bit of my story with a couple of people who I was in contact with professionally and finding out that they had had losses too. Mm. And, um, and then I spent time with that person. It wasn't necessarily a lot. Sometimes it was messaging on Facebook together. Um, sometimes we just meet at the Starbucks and have a hot chocolate. Um, I also ended up doing a cake decorating course with her. For some reason, that was so helpful to me. Mm. So helpful. We were terrible at it. We sat <laughs> at the back of the room, like laughing about how much it, we sucked, um, eating cupcakes and icing. It was, it was it was really good for me. It really got me somewhere I needed to go. She needed someone who knew what I was going through. And my husband, as much as he cared about me, didn't understand what that felt like. Not, right. not in my body, you know? Yeah. 25% so, um, of pregnancies that we know of end in loss. It's uh, very common. And I found the same thing as <laughs> I, uh, yeah, other co colleagues or a lot came out and said, yes, that happened to me. Yes, that happened to me. <laughs> Unlike, you know, other illness, like other illnesses, for example, where um, I feel like miscarriage is often invisible, especially if it's an early on. Uh, and so clients don't know versus like if you were sick for a long period of time, maybe your clients are aware. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be even more isolating in some ways that no one knew unless I told them. Um, and finding out that so many people in my circle had been through the same thing was, it was helpful. It's a, I found it was a tricky thing to reach out about as well because I didn't want to ask anybody to relive their own losses right. for a selfish reason. And I didn't know who would be ready to talk and who would be triggered and un unhappy, right? So that felt to me like a barrier. Mm. Um, uh, I did try to see, there's a, a local therapist who specializes in pregnancy loss, and I, I did try to get in with that person, but uh, she had at that point, I think, an eight to 12 month wait. Wow. Um, and so, you know, it was Starbucks and cake decorating for me. <sighs> Went a long and way. 
How are you managing business and motherhood in the midst of it at this point with on this, this second one? Try to cast my mind's eye back. Mm. So another person who I had as a support person when this happened um, is my aunt on my mom's side. Uh, she's an obstetrician gynecologist. Um, and so when things were happening, I, I texted her a little bit too. Um, and found out that she she had also experienced some of these things. And so it was really easy for me to ask for support. She was really ready to give it. Um, and she also gave me tips about, you know, this is what you'll experience on day two. Um, you know, this is what you should be ready for. This is when you can go back to work. Uh, this is when you should. Stuff like that. What did you so, find worked for going back to work? Well, silly me. I listened to what the doctors suggested. Mm -hmm. So after my surgery, I was told in two weeks, you'll be good. Or no, sorry, not two days, two days, you'll be good as new. Um, and again, you know, looking back, I kind of think that's just insane. That's insane. And, and they should be giving you cards about, you know, when you weep like crazy, this is what you do and, and take some time for yourself and whatever. But we just got, you know, you'll be fine after two days. And uh, so that's what I did. I went back to work after two days. Wow. And <laughs> it was brutal. Um, I was tired. I was still in a lot of pain. Um, my body wasn't quite doing what it was that they said that it was supposed to do. Mm. And I was confused about what to do about that. Um, and I think that I probably tried to use work to distract me a little bit to feel, you know, meaningfully connected and I was helping and all of that is stuff that helps me feel good. But that meant, I think that instead I, I kind of had these explosions of sadness. So sometimes I would have them when I was at work in between clients. Um, most often I had them at home, most often in the kitchen. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that was about. I love the connection with baking and cooking. <laughs> uh, oh, that poor stovetop. Um, yeah, and so I don't think, looking back at all of my experiences, I wish someone had whispered in my ear, whatever the doctors say, multiply it by three. Mm. You know, this is how long you will be upset by. Um, this is how long you will hurt for. Uh, this is really when you should go back to work you don't bounce back from these things. I mean, physically I was safe to sit in a chair, talk to people and operate my motor vehicle. Um, but emotionally, you know, I think I probably could have taken two weeks and just rested and held the baby that I did have and talked to whomever I needed to talk to. So I had bits of support and I had my aunt kind of validating what it was that I was going through. I wish I had known to give myself more time. I think too, like some people, you know, I've known single women um, who they are their sole income or whatever the circumstance, the family finances and things, and they feel like they don't have that privilege to take time off or it feels very scary to, which mm -hmm. in part I have to say, like, that's why we want to do some financial planning in the business so that you can if get sick or whatever. Yep. But if you are in that case, if you are in that situation now and it's, well, it's too late, it's happening, I think kind of what you're saying is good. It's like change the expectation, reach out, fall apart in the kitchen, you know, <laughs> like it, mm -hmm. you've got to allow 
the process to happen in the midst of you doing the work, you know, um, mm -hmm. with other clients. It's, it's, it's grief. It's, it's grief. It's grief. And I, um, I also remember that when I tried to talk to some people about it and just, I don't know, I just needed to tell my story lots and think about it lots and talk to women lots. Um, I had some who were saying, you're depressed. You need to go to your doctor, go get on this medicine. Uh, this is depression. This is not okay. You can't just sit by and let this happen. Um, and I also remember feeling really angry uh, about that um, and and having a, <sighs> trying to explain to people that there's a difference between grief and depression of course certainly sometimes they 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 co-occur intermingle or overlap um, but I was just going through something you know my life had been in danger the doctors hadn't taken me seriously mm -hmm. uh, this is just a miscarriage well, not that I mean should you do that when it even is just a miscarriage, you know? Yeah. Ah, there's so many things to talk about there. Um, and I, yeah, I, I needed to emote and, and let it out. So um, finding safe people who, if they had an understanding or a lived experience that was similar or similar enough, that went a long way. Spending some time out of the house just being silly and stupid and eating cupcakes, um, that went a long way. Um, and then time with my family, that was helpful too. Yeah. So uh, then I'm not answering your business question. No, I don't I, think I, it, I think it's no, but I think this is the business side though. Of yeah. Like basically sometimes you do go into, you do just what you can. Yes. And my hope is that if anyone's listening that hasn't experienced these things, not that you want to plan per se that you want that, you know, but you want to be able to in the future, like learn from us that if you can take time off, you do. I went back a week after, uh, and then the first time I think it was two weeks, the other ones, um, they happened right at boot camp times, which was, <laughs> and so I had the week off before boot camp and then boot camp began. So mm. I think if, just hear us when we are talking and say like, I need to be able in my business to take time off because that is better than having to just show, you know, make it through. And some of us do that and we're quite resilient. And I agree with you. There is some, there was a part of me that when I showed up with clients, it was like a break from my grief. Yes. You know, it was like a break of like, I got some relief and I could just be helpful and present and fully immersed and get a break from my own immersed grief, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I think that the message is what you, you are saying of like, that just sits there and you just hang on while you like figure it out in your life of like how to process this loss. So I think you're answering it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And I think too, like, do you think it, it changed, but do you think it changed the way you approach business? Um, I mean, do you think like, you were like, okay, did you, did you realize like, if this ever happens again, I do need to take more time off or what is it all like, just it kind of blended together and it's hindsight. 
I wish I could say that I learned really well from my experiences, but I have to say, honestly, yeah. this is more hindsight. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I certainly, after the first one, I, I learned a little bit better about how to have a system in place in case people needed to be notified. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, uh, but I, I kept, <laughs> it's supposed to be good when you listen to what the doctors say, right? So I kept, I kept listening to them when I had my losses and every time that it happened, um, I should have. I should have listened to what my body was saying and what my yeah. heart was saying yeah. instead of I should be able to go back to work now kind of thing. So, yeah, I think that, well, yeah, you just open up a whole other, there's a lot of misinformation. My last miscarriage, I ended up seeing someone who specialized in miscarriage, who is a big mm -hmm. advocate in this. And I mean, doc the doctors i'm surprised i guess because they see it all the time i don't know but there's a lack of communication and understanding and so and and because we don't talk about this a lot you're kind of like i agree with you it's sort of like you just trust what they say and then you're it's confusing and you don't know what to expect always well also why can't i bounce back like they say i i'm supposed to mm. why why do I feel like I want to collapse in a puddle instead of just march back out to work? Like I thought this is what I'm supposed to be able to do now. Um, that was confusing, but I think I was, I was just a mess of hormones and confusion. And yeah, no, it's, yeah. it is, it's a complicated, messy, messy grief. And well, my last one happened further on in the pregnancy, right? So my last one, we found out that the baby wasn't well at 10 weeks, um, but it took a long time to kind of figure out what was going to happen. And so that pregnancy was over at 20 weeks, give or take. Um, and so this was my fourth pregnancy now. I was totally showing at that point. Um, wow. And I, I was really worried about clients and how, um, how it would take away from focusing exclusively on them in the session you know um that one because i was farther along i was grossly unprepared for the mood swings or the shifts in hormone and the, the drops in hormones and how they would impact me cognitively and emotionally that was brutal and my aunt um knew about this kind of stuff and she just kind of said this one's going to be hard mm. um this one will be hard for you. And I kind of thought, Oh, oh no. Um, and, and she, so she would say, well, today is day two or today is day four, you know, pack a bunch of extra Kleenexes in your purse and try to get home early or something like that. Cause she knew, I guess on certain days I would, I would really feel certain things and she was right. Um, so it was nice oh. to hear about that. Um, but again, I went back to work way too soon. What was and it? I tried like? to do more stuff. So you knew at 10 weeks that there were issues, but did your clients know you were pregnant or were you showing and you just didn't say? I was showing and I just didn't say. I, we found out that the baby was extremely unwell at 10 weeks and um, it was a matter of uh, trying to find out, you know, what was happening that was causing. Uh, the baby had high drops fetalis, so that major circulatory problems resulting in um, excess fluid around the organs under the skin throughout the body 
Um, and at 10 weeks, uh, with, the, with the measurements that we saw on the baby scan, um, I mean, it pointed to a major circulatory malformations and stuff like that. So Did you start grieving then? Oh, I think if I, if I connect to the memory of coming back to the office afterwards and saying to my secretary, I'm going home, I'd probably start to cry. Um, it was, well, um, I think I mentioned this, this to you previously. I didn't have a good feeling about that pregnancy. And so yeah. having that validated was um, a really strange experience because it was kind of like, this is what I thought was going to happen. There was a part of me that was prepared for this to happen. And at the same point, um, I didn't get any good news or any kind of hope. And I had no information and no understanding about why would this be happening. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, I was sent to um, genetics and had to do uh, genetic testing of the baby and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the doctors didn't seem to understand my need for information, which still blows my mind. Um, you know, I'd say, well, well, what does the test suggest in terms of the, of the, the baby's likelihood to survive? Oh, well, you know, this is its diagnosis. So I'm like, okay, well, this is its diagnosis, but well, what does that mean? And what's the probability of this? And I'm like, well, why are you asking these questions? Like, I wow. need to understand what's going to happen to me. I'm an information seeker. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a blunter when it comes to healthcare. And I found that to be really difficult. So I, you know, I have access to medical journals. I went online, I read a bunch of stuff. Uh, I tried to consult with my aunt some more. Um, and that information helped me feel better. It helped me feel like I could understand what was going to happen um, that the baby wasn't going to survive, you know, that uh, the kinds of things that were going on were going to impact its development, um, you know, in a catastrophic kind of way. And with that information, at, at least I, I had a good understanding of what was happening. I tried to shield my patients from it. I don't think many of them knew that I was pregnant. Um, you know, I made a lot of jokes that lately I've been doing a lot of stress eating and kind of suggested I was putting on weight for another reason, just because I didn't want them to have to go through that with me um, and wear a lot of really baggy clothes. Um, anyway, I had a lot of cardigans. <laughs> uh, cardigans, yes. Wrap they, it around. Yep. <laughs> nice and cozy. Yep. T-shirts with lots of ruching on them. I think it's an interesting, like, um, 10 weeks of caring and knowing, like, yeah. if that's like a lot of anticipatory grief too. Yeah. And, um, also carrying your clients mentally, you know, and emotionally in that space and, you know, trying to make good clinical decisions in terms of disclosure and all of that. It's a lot, Chris. My gosh. It was a heavy time. It was a sad time. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I knew that things weren't going to last, so I tried to plan for some weeks off, um, mm. and that was really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and so then when the pregnancy was finally over, um, giving myself, this time I gave myself a week, that was much more helpful. Um, I had to have a really painful surgery, um, and I hadn't had that kind of surgery before. So again, I didn't know what the recovery was supposed to be. I wish I'd given myself a couple of weeks because um, I, I was really hurting afterwards. Um, yes. Things they yeah. don't tell you. Yeah. 
well, you no. Know, and this was another one. They said, you'll be back to work in two days. I, I could have done that, I suppose. Um, I still needed a lot of the pain meds that made me quite loopy. Uh, um, but being able to tell the, my patients, I basically just told them that I was unwell, that I needed a, um, a surgical procedure, um, and that, that there was no danger to me or my life. And, you know, that um, I wasn't going to know exactly when it was going to happen necessarily. Um, but I probably have to take a little bit of time off to rest and recover and come back and be able to help them. And people really respected my privacy. So long as they knew that I was okay. Mm -hmm. um, and they had an understanding of what to expect and that they're they weren't going to suffer a loss, that mm. I was still going to be there for them afterwards. Mm -hmm. That part of it went okay. Um, and financially, you know, we were comfortable and, and doing okay. So luckily I, I didn't, I didn't have any major repercussions. Yeah. So I was really lucky that way too. So then you get pregnant again. And totally freak out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I got pregnant, um, four weeks after uh, no, wait, my timing is wrong. No. So, um, so what we did is I decided to take some time off trying to get pregnant. Um, my husband and I got married mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and I found out when I was trying to get fitted for my wedding dress, and the <laughs> lady said, you're kind of thicker around the middle. And I thought, <laughs> oh, I've been dieting for my wedding. This shouldn't happen. And then found out that I was pregnant then that was pretty exciting. So our, our littlest one was present at our wedding. He was the size of a poppy seed or something like that. Um, but he was there. And uh, I think that, uh, yeah, the, the wedding prep distracted me. I was really busy. Then after that, um, it kind of, this concern descended upon me like a weight. I, I, I was literally brought to my knees with tiredness and sick to my stomach with worry you know, is this one going to be okay? You know, is there something wrong with this one too? Um, at that point in time, uh, there weren't a lot of options for uh, safe genetic testing where there wasn't a risk to the baby. Um, mm. and, and at that point in time, my husband and I actually invested a thousand bucks in getting a maternal blood test that you could only get in the United States. Mm. Um, we, uh, we invested in that to find out that the baby was genetically probably okay. It only tested for um, three trisomies at that point in time. Um, but the baby came back from that with flying colors and looking healthy. And I did breathe a little easier then. I think I found out at 12 weeks that the baby was healthy in that respect. Um, but I never let my guard down. I was always watching for signs of this or that or the other thing. So um, I feel like I still worry about him. We have another little boy, um, perfectly healthy at birth. Um, but I do, I feel like I'm still waiting to see if he's going to be okay. Mm. It's funny. And he's four now. He's, <laughs> he's a cutie. <laughs> yes, yes. Thanks. I think that there, that's the other thing too, is when you're going through, whether it's, you know, loss, infertility, these things, there's, a, um, your clients are going to have reactions as well to here you are, you have a perfectly healthy baby that you carry to term. And maybe they're excited or they see this or they have a reaction, but that's also combined with things that they don't see, which is your own kind of process of like, right? Like this, this fear, like I, I just knew that every pregnancy was like white knuckling it, like 
in some way emotionally of like, oh gosh, you know, and for me, um, you know, I never had a rainbow baby or things like that. And people say crazy things to you when you have loss and when you're pregnant and clients will also say those things because culturally we don't know how to talk about it, you know? So I remember I was waiting in the ER for um, my, I was going to have a DNC because all of my uh, losses were missed. And so um, my body was just not responding. And so, you know, they'd be asking like, when are you going to, ha- when are you going to try to get, you know, my sister, she, she had four of the, and you know, you're just like, let me get through like even medical community or I had colleagues too that were like, uh, you know, so I think so there's something wrong with you. you know, this has happened. So like, you're going to figure out what's wrong. What's wrong that one. Yeah. yeah. You figure out what's wrong so you can keep this from happening again. Dang it. If I could keep this from happening, I would trust me. Yeah. Um, so it's a very complex thing. And what I appreciate you sharing about your story is that I hope that whoever has gone through this or who may be listening and is going through this, hears the take care of yourself. And there's lots of ways that's going to come up. It could be, for me, it was falling apart in the shower. (laughs) There you go. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, Perfect. Some of it was therapy. Um, Roller derby was actually part of what, you know, help me get through some of it, some aggression <laughs> um, and reaching out to people. There are, a, it, we are not alone. It's very right. common and yes. that it's an ongoing process. It still is for me. Um, mm-hmm. It still comes up in funny, unexpected ways. Um, mm-hmm. When your colleagues get pregnant or your clients get pregnant or I mean, just a myriad of circumstances um and that however it shows up is okay but listening to your what you need is important and for any of the body that's listening that knows someone who has gone through this what would you tell them as colleagues you know other therapists who maybe that they have a colleague or a friend you know that's a therapist that's going through it what do you want to say to them and encourage them of like what it means to be a support to a colleague. What do you wish colleagues had done for you? That's a really good question. Um, you, you know, to be perfectly honest, I wish people had acknowledged the losses more. Um, mm. With the first loss, I remember I got a bouquet of flowers from my dad and my stepmom. Um, and I had lost two and I had, you know, really hard lost three. Um, and I didn't get a card or a tulip. <laughs> and that sounds kind of funny. I had one friend who, um, a distance friend who had been through many losses. Uh, and she sent me some tea and a mug and a big fluffy blanket. And I just thought, here's somebody who gets it. Um, but a- acknowledging the loss. Um, I didn't necessarily need people to say, do you need to talk about it or do you want to talk about it? Um, but acknowledging it would have gone a long way. I felt like people knew, people knew, I told people in my family, um, and, and very few people did anything, which felt 
it made me feel kind of like this giant thing in my life was of no consequence um, to them. And, and that felt sad. So a colleague to acknowledge, you know, whether your style is a card or um, a cup of coffee or flowers or, or can I help you in some manner, like, this must be hard. I think an acknowledgement goes a long way because it shows mm. that you care. Um, and uh, trying to be as flexible as possible with whatever the person might need. Because the grief trickles and surprises and bursts <laughs> and it's not predictable. So sometimes someone might need a hug while they mop their eyes up. Um, sometimes someone might need an afternoon off in a way that's very inconvenient to you. Um, and as a colleague, I would encourage people to, to take tons of time after something like this has happened, unless they know for sure that they just really need to focus and get back to work. Tons of time, we three times more than what you think you need. That's what I would say. I and let the tears come out. Yeah. Let the tears come out. Tons of time. Mm -hmm. Cause and the tears won't last forever, right? They don't last forever. They may ooze out every now and again. <laughs> you read a book or watch a movie or something like that. But, um, if you're watching this, mine used a little today. Like it's, yeah, it, well, of course it would. Yeah. It's, such a, it's such an important thing. Um, but it, it does pass if you let it, um, mm. if you smother it, it doesn't pass so well. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I had Jill Johnson Young on earlier. We talked about grief and I heard it. It was wonderful. You know, I think it's just another <laughs> chance to learn how to grieve, you know? Um, and so I think we as clinicians can do a lot of good for each other. If, mm -hmm. you know, we learn just to be there, like you said, and not mm -hmm. assume, you know, Oh, you're de not assume depression, not assume an ability to function, not assume there's a right way, but just say, I'm sorry. And I'm here and it sucks. <laughs> Like, do you need a cupcake? Yeah, half a cupcake here. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to thank you for sharing this journey with me um, and with everyone listening. And the whole purpose of this series is just for people to know they're not alone, that practices and your business survives life. Mm -hmm. And it actually makes you a better clinician. Like you said, like it gives you an extension of compassion and empathy and can even sometimes change like your focus on who you want to serve out of your own pain. And mm -hmm. I, um, I just am so grateful to you for your vulnerability and the chance to let other people know they're not alone. Thank you. I was happy to help. So if people want to learn more about you, where can they go? Oh, um, I have a website that's uh, www.limestone.clinic. You can find me there. Awesome. If you guys have comments or questions, please post below, and we'll see you next time.